to Superman Movie Minutes, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flyzes. Thanks, Ange. Uh, the Superman movie from 1978, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me through this journey through time and space is Christopher Dean Franklin. That's the extended cut. <laughs> right. We're going to go on and uh, sticking in all this extra footage. Yeah, um, we're here to do uh, what is traditionally on the network called a listener feedback show. In this particular case, we're going to call it uh, the Metropolis Mailbag Minute. Uh, this is uh, by request. A bunch of people who have been very kindly leaving comments for us on over on Fire and Water podcast.com have asked are we going to do a feedback show and we realized that since the show this show is going to last at least 30 episodes we didn't want to wait all the way till the end we wanted to address the feedback at some point so now that we're at the halfway point of the movie we just finished episode 15 we're going to stop do some feedback we're going to read a bunch of comments that we got from the first 15 episodes of the show talk about some other topics get to get into the itunes reviews and just kind of a nice midway point before we pick up with episode 16, which will be the back half of the movie. So uh, thanks, everybody, for suggesting this, because this I think this is great. It's a nice little way to, to break up uh, the, the movie right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, this gives us a little breather, gives us a little time to reflect, uh, you know, soak up the comments, and talk about some other Superman the movie-related things that have come up since we started the show. Which, amazingly, there's been a lot of. Yeah. Uh, for for a forty year old movie, there's been a lot of news. So let's let's get right on uh, the topics here. First one is uh, we found out a couple of weeks ago that Superman the movie has been added to the National Film Registry, uh, which is amazing. Uh, alongside other titles like Titanic, Gentleman's Agreement, Die Hard, Spartacus, Four Little Girls, Dumbo, La Bamba, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Memento, and Field of Dreams. So this is going to be part of like the permanent collection and in, in the government of like of films that are historically and uh like what is it like socially relevant or continued yeah, culturally leave, relevant culturally or that, I'm sorry, that was the yeah. yeah so that's awesome i you know i can never figure out how they do it because obviously they're not doing it year by year because no. you see this list they're jumping all around uh so i guess you know I, i'm not sure how long a movie has to be out before it can possibly be inducted you know so it's like the like someone has to be dead a certain number of years before you can get on a stamp or something so i'm not sure like how like what the most recent movie you could put in but nevertheless superman is finally in the national film registry which i think is great it totally deserves it oh yeah and it's it's amazing to see like some of the other movies that are just now getting in like spartacus i mean did they have to wait till Kirk Douglas was 101 before they put yeah, it? Yeah, I was like, Spartacus is not in the National Film Registry. Dumbo? I mean, Dumbo you know. Dumbo, too, yeah. Yeah, it's, but, but it's great that, you know, he's getting it in good comp. Superman's getting it in good company. I mean, you know, there's there's some great, obviously great movies uh, there. So it's And it is such a mix of, like, movies from the past, like, like almost 80 years <laughs> that, mm-hmm. are, that, are, that are getting in, and including some more you know, recent films like Titanic and Memento. So it's, uh, it's exciting. I was really, I was really pumped to, to, uh, hear that. I, I guess I kind of thought maybe already, Superman was already in there, but it, you know, obviously with some of these movies, you realize that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty exclusive club. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's nice to see it get in. Yeah, you can see across you know all the different genres because I mean Superman is sort of sci-fi action, and then you've got Titanic, which is historical. Gentleman's Agreement, which is like a social drama. Die Hard, like the ultimate action movie. Spartacus, Four Little Girls, which is a documentary. Dumbo, which is a family film. La Bamba is a musical. Guess who's coming to dinner? Is I guess another kind of social comedy. Memento Field Dream. So they really do kind of spread it all around. It's it's, it's it. It's a as you just said, Chris. It's a really good class to be part of. So and it's great. Superman. It, it belongs there. And I'd love to know. I mean, I guess this list must be online somewhere. I'd love to know if there are any other superhero films in the registry. I don't know mm. if there are. I mean, like what? You know, like certainly not Batman and Robin or anything. So I'd like to know what else is in there. <laughs> I know that's a good point. I don't know what would would be in there. What would get in there before Superman? I have no idea. But I, I I'm interested to go look that up now. Yeah, yeah that's true. To find that out. So, but um, so it, but it wasn't all good news. Uh, because the other thing we learned, unfortunately, because uh, we uh, we found out that Fathom Events uh, released their 2018 slate of movies that they are going to be putting out. Uh, in conjunction with the Turner Classic Movies on the big screen again, part of their big screen classic series. And we mentioned in a previous episode that we sent a tweet 
uh, via Superman Movie Minute uh, Twitter page to Fathom Events, where we said, well, why don't you guys do Superman? Superman turns 40 in, in 2018. And they responded very enthusiastically. And they said, we'll look into it. It sounds like a great idea. Well, they announced their slate for the year, and Superman is not on it. And so I was really disappointed in that because I felt like that tweet was kind of like maybe it meant something. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so I actually – we crafted another tweet that said, hey, guys, like what happened? And I, I, I wrote something like this is definitely not swell. And I used a gif of Superman looking mad when Lois is dead and he's screaming <laughs> like that. But Yeah. Yeah. So I, we're not going to get a chance to see Superman on the big screen at least via TCM now – there is the Cinemark Classic Series, which I've mentioned on previous episodes, so they could still do it. But mm-hmm. in terms of being a Fathom thing, it's it's not going to happen. And that, that's very disappointing because, again, as I mentioned in the tweet, Superman only turns 40 once. Right, yeah. And, I mean, it's, you know, there's no, you know, and I, and I get the feeling that some of Superman not being seen in theaters again uh, is kind of Warner Brothers not wanting to dampen the, you know, the corporate synergy of the mm-hmm. current movies, because I think that's why, you know, the Superman is, as, as Michael Bailey brought up when he was a guest on the show, uh, it was supposed to be back in theaters in like 2001, I think 2000, 2001, when the, uh, uh, you know, Richard Donner director's cut came out, uh, uh, first on DVD, it was originally supposed to be in theaters and, it never came out that way, and uh, there's a really sweet trailer online for it, as, as Michael talked about. So, I mean, I always kind of thought that development on the movie that eventually became Superman Returns is what, you know, somebody at Warner's probably got cold feet and said, oh, we don't want to put this out because, you know, we got a new Superman movie in development. Well, it took another five years for that movie mm. to come out. But, you know, and this year there's nothing coming out but Aquaman, you know, not that nothing against Aquaman, but there, of course, but there's no movie with Henry Cavill's Superman coming out in 2018. So why not just put it out, especially if it's just over a week, you know, let it Mm -hmm. let it come Mm -hmm. out. So so I, I wouldn't think it'd be Warner Brothers blocking it at this point. So let's hope not anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good Lord, if if uh, if DC and Warner Brothers can release Justice League and Lego Batman in the same year, I think people mm-hmm. can tolerate different interpretations of the character. You know, right. <laughs> like, I think it's not going to confuse too many people, but right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, like I said, I, Cinemark might still do it. And so I hope they do, because as, as I mentioned on the show, uh, you've seen it on the big screen again since, since its original run. And I never have. And I'm, that is like one of the last childhood big movies that I would love to see on the big screen again. So maybe, maybe Cinemark will do it. And if, and if they do, I will certainly announce it here on the show because Cinemark is a national chain. So, uh, you know, people will get to see it if, uh, if they do do it. I hope they do. Uh, mm-hmm. Next, uh, we have, of course, the release of the three-hour cut of Superman the movie, which no one knew existed. No one knew there was a three-hour cut uh, <laughs> of, uh, of this thing. But, but there is. And so both uh, you and I have had a chance to see it now. Uh, I was, uh, I, you bought yours, but I was very fortunate that I won mine from the Superman movie homepage. They had a contest, and thanks to Steve Eunice, uh, he let me know that I won the, I won the copy. So I got it, and I got a chance to see it. So what did you think of the three-hour cut of Superman? Well, see, I kind of, I mean, I had seen this before when it was on TV. You know, I, like the ABC. You know, the Maybe ABC the version, whatever, yeah. yeah, where it was split over two nights. And and uh, and then at some point I recorded that version on a VHS tape. But I don't you know, I, I don't I know. I think I still have that tape, but I don't even have a working VCR. And, I, you know, and I never bothered once I got that, you know, the official release on VHS and and then eventually DVD and then Blu-ray. I never really went back to it anyway. So. Uh, and then I know there were other versions of it that had even more footage in it that was like shown in syndication. And I think that's the version that we've got on this. And I enjoyed watching it. I mean, it's it's great to have additional footage from my favorite movie, um, you know, but, uh, you know, the, the additions range from like really nice, profound, like, not you know, little bits of oh, that explains this, and that helps flesh that out to just complete filler. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, they, and basically, they split the movie up. I mean, this was a complete Saul kind thing, you know. Uh, they they filled the, the time slot of, of two nights with commercials, 
so so basically it would run i guess four hours uh or maybe even more total uh you know two hours each night and it, you know there's there's things in there like uh the interaction with Jorel and the council i think that actually establishes the other characters in the council a bit better they do tell us that Jorel indeed discovered the phantom zone mm-hmm. things like that I like that type of stuff. There's other, within that same opening sequence on Krypton, though, there's this really rough sequence that some people remember of the the guard that the council sends, <laughs> yeah. the, the stormtrooper that they send, <laughs> and to to basically kill Jor-El, I mean, mm-hmm. what it amounts to, and one that makes the council look really bad, and not just arrogant, but actually villainous, and two, it looks really unrefined and cheap it does uh, it, yeah I, I was pretty shocked when i saw that i was like whoa okay <laughs> yeah you can definitely see why they would cut that out yeah so i mean i mean we can get into a few more little details but what did you think of it overall i i'm pretty much with, with you on there it was it was nice as an experiment it's like oh hey this is my one of my favorite movies and here's a extra long version uh, I did think that virtually none of it needed to be in the movie, except for one scene. There's one scene that I genuinely wish was in the original Superman, and that's the scene at the end where Miss Tessmacher is about to be dropped into the lion pit or the tiger pit, and mm-hmm. Superman comes and rescues her. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a great scene. And not that you needed some interstitial material to know that Superman picks up Lex Luthor and brings him to the jail. Because, I mean, you could figure it out. He went and got Lex and he brought him to the jail. You can piece that together if you ever read a Superman comic book in your life. But it's nice to see it. It's nice to see that after Superman saves Lois, turns the Earth back, stops all the missiles, he stops at like Luthor's hideout and grabs him and brings him to jail. And I love that, that he – because it, it gives – first of all, I love the old-timey kind of you know Perils of Pauline kind of feel yeah. to it. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I love that you see Superman smash through the, uh, the the shaft, and you see him go. You know, I just think that's a great scene, and I genuinely wish that was in the movie. That's the one cut that I wish Donner had left in. But everything else, I think you could you could leave behind. You know, I I kind of like like I like the uh, a lot of the stuff that Donner put in the you know special edition cut. Um, you know, like the. Noel Neal and Kirk Allen's, mm. um, yeah. you know, cameos where you actually they have dialogue. You know, that's the type of stuff. Basically, everything that's in that, I kind of like. I, it doesn't need to be in it, but I kind of like it in it, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I really did like what he did with that. And, and uh, you know, it, and it plus it feels more legit because he did it. You know, he approved that. Uh, but, yeah, the the bit with, um, yeah, you, know, you know, the if they put the, the bit where, uh, you know, we first meet uh, Lex and and uh, Miss Tessmacher and and you know Otis comes in and Otis feed he tells him to feed the babies right right and you know that sets it up for the end so I like that now some of the stuff with Lex and Otis and Miss Tessmacher man it is really really broad it is yeah <laughs> it's I mean. You know, it, it it probably it almost looks like you know suddenly Superman's turned into I know it's one of your favorite movies, but you know a version of a it's a mad 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 world. I think <laughs> that's a lot that's of what it, bit of that. Yeah, it it reminds me of that in some ways. I mean, the the extended parts where they're trying to you know do the missile codes and change them, and I mean there's there's it's it, it goes from you know co- a little bit of comedy to just outright buffoonery mm-hmm, and. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm glad they cut those out because I think that was maybe a bridge too far, too much slapsticky, uh, you know, too slapsticky there. And uh, but one scene I absolutely absolutely love, and it's one that I remembered as a kid from the TV version. And you know, I, when I watched the subsequent uh, versions that I had on uh, VHS, the regular versions, I was like, well, what happened in that scene was when Superman goes into Lex's lair and. Uh, you know, he fires on him with machine guns. He tries to roast oh, yeah, the, him. Fire. The gauntlet scene, they call the it. The gauntlet remember, yeah. scene, yeah. I, I really like that sequence. And, you know, plus it, it's, you know, it's a really cool scene. And, and you know, it shows how ruthless Lex is. It shows how invulnerable Superman is. And I, I kind of like, of course, that's in the Donner uh, edition, special edition as well, or whatever they call it. So, you know, I, I, I kind of like that one too. But there's some really strange things in this. I mean, 
there's so many the 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 protracted you know brad and lana driving across the countryside yeah you didn't need any of that yeah lynn lang gets a lot more dialogue in, in this version you can see why they, you know she must have been like oh my god he cut my part down to nothing yeah i mean it does make her more sympathetic because you really do get that she really did not appreciate what brad did and she was not really wanting to go along with the crowd but she did anyway but yeah there's just way too much of them driving in the car yep. and yep. And, and oddly enough, no rock around the clock. It's some generic yeah, uh, that's right. mus- music playing, which is really weird. And and then there's the whole weird thing with like, um, you know, they show the Native American village and uh, it's a nice sentiment. But, uh, you know, they, the chief says, you know, we, you know, they cut off our water with the dam. And then when the dam's destroyed and Superman blocks up the river, well, the water comes back to the village. And it's like I said, it's a nice sentiment. But. It's kind of a waste because, you know, well, eventually they're going to rebuild that dam. So it's, you know, it's just kind of an odd, it's just kind of an odd diversion for the story. And the, probably the worst thing that like was like not just, uh, what do they call it when they, uh, I forgot what they call it, when they when they shoot a certain extra amount of film to uh, coverage. Coverage, not, yeah, coverage. It's, yeah. Not, it's not just coverage. Is when Lois poses for Jimmy at the end after... Uh, yeah. The earthquake. Yeah, it's like that was just a little over the top, you know, because I mean, that's it's kind of like what she did that one shot when we first meet her in the Daily Planet. But yeah, here it's yeah, I'm I'm really I I wasn't sorry to see that one go at all. But so, you know, overall, I'm I'm glad that the cuts the the movie we got is the movie that we needed. The version we're doing now is you know I think probably the best version. But it it is neat. It's kind of like. The Donner cut of Superman 2. It's nice to have it, but it's not going to replace the original. No. Uh, yeah, and one person that really didn't like the Superman uh, three-hour version is Richard Donner. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw any of the articles that were out. I think it was just the one interview, but he is, he's really not happy that this version is out there, which I can understand because this is his work. And this, yeah. is, this is not the film he made. I mean, every little scrap of footage that he happened to shoot was is not meant for public consumption. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody holds it against him. I think everybody knows this. This cut was, you know, it's it's to, for the salt kinds to make some money. So uh, yeah. I, I feel bad that he feels bad because I want him to be happy with any of the versions that are out there. But I, I still think it's. I think if anything, I think this almost underscores what a good job he did as you were just talking about it's like well look at look at the giant piles of footage they had and they managed to put together the best possible version of of the movie yeah i mean yeah the, this this all just proves that the movie was fine as it was you know i mean it's it's neat to have it be as a as a for archival purposes it's it's just like it's just like having you know there's a famous photo shoot of uh you know, uh, say there's a famous photo shoot of Marilyn Monroe, and then you find all these, uh, you know, these these uh, cut, you know, these other photos that were oh, taken right, in sure, that photo yeah, shoot. Yeah, I mean that's what it feels like. It's like, but they strung it together as a movie. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of what it feels like. So, uh, you know, and like I said, it's kind of oddly enough, it's kind of like uh, the Superman one version of the Donner cut. I mean, it's uh, it's neat to have, but at the same time, it just you know, it doesn't quite work as well as the original as put out because it, it, you know, it was never finished when, you know, it was never polished and finished in, in this format. So it's not, you know, this doesn't work like a, you know, like it should, but you know, on TV and, in 1982 or whenever it first came on it, it, you know, for over two nights and uh, with commercials in between, it was, it was neat to have a sprawling, more epic version of the movie, even with all the the filler, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, if I found out that, you know, George Lucas had a three-hour cut of Star Wars, would I see that? Hell yeah. You know, I'd be like, sure. you know, it's not going to make this movie any better, but I'd like to see it, you know, in case. So, although maybe we shouldn't ask for George Lucas to futz with Star Wars anymore. Anyway, um, if you are interested in the Superman three-hour cut and you have not yet obtained the Blu-ray, we suggest that you hang on and make sure you listen all the way till the end of this episode. Uh, But before we get to that, let's move on to uh, reviews. First of all, iTunes. We have some iTunes reviews, which is very nice. Thank you for those of you who uh, went on to iTunes and left us uh, five-star reviews. The first one is, You Will Believe a Podcast Can Fly. Five stars from Elroy0415. 
And uh, this person says, Superman the movie is my favorite movie of all time. So I was skeptical when I heard of a podcast that reviews the movie five minutes at a time. But man, am I glad I gave it a shot. It's a great review of a terrific movie with thoughtful insight from Robin Chris that still entertains me even though I've seen this movie over a hundred times. Keep up the good work, guys. Chris, did you write this one? Is that is it, do you have an uh, alternate identity on? Yeah, on that's it? right. That's that's me. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's greatly appreciated, Elroy. Thanks. That's uh, yeah. I, it does sound like I wrote it, though. You're right. <laughs> uh, we have another one from Mark Lack. It's another five star review. It says, "I believe I can fly." I think there was a song called that. It was by R. Kelly. Was that by you, Rob? It's like, <laughs> Yes, I have all this. I have this old song royalty money piled up, and I'm not spending yet. <laughs> it says Rob and Chris are doing the God's work. As each minute of the movie gets better, so does the show. And the movie and this show were both great to begin with. Analyzing the greatest superhero movie of them all is no small task, but these guys are great at what they do. Thanks, my friends. Well, you're very welcome. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, next comment is uh, Super Swell from Kyle Benning, 41. We know who he is. He says, mm-hmm. a fantastic, dare I say, super look at Superman the movie in five-minute chunks. A highly informative and enjoyable audio recap of one of the greatest films of all time. Five stars. Thank you, Kyle. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, we do know who Kyle is. I think we both have talked with Kyle before. <laughs> I think so. Uh, Jesse's Girl, 35. Oh, it's Rick Springfield. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> says The human target. <laughs> The human target, yes. <laughs> Dr. Noah Drake. And the only reason I know that is because my sister was obsessed with Rick Springfield sure, in the 80s. Yes. Sure, that's fine. She was. Sure. Right, she sure, was. Fine. Yep. Okay, all right, sure. Uh, Jesse's Girl 35 says, so much fun, five stars. I adore the original Superman movie. It's nice to revisit it in this format. Also, the hosts are a lot of fun. Great job, guys. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> And then the final review, which I don't know if it's a review for our show or not, uh, but it's five stars and we'll take it. The review is titled Blue Harvest. It's five stars. It's from Da 85 Bears Rule 76. And it says, what we've got here is failure to communicate. Some end you just can't reach. So what? So you get what we had here last week, which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets it. I don't like it any more than you men. I have no idea what any of that is other than it's a line of dialogue from Cool Hand Luke. Uh, I don't know if that's to do Superman the movie. may not even be for us, but it doesn't matter because iTunes counts it as a five-star review. So thank you to Bears 80, 85, 86 or whatever. So you got Cool Hand Luke. You've got like old SNL skits with the Bulls, the Bears, and then you've got Blue Harvest, which was the working title of Return of the Jedi, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and Superman the movie some for some reason. <laughs> it's a whole melange of stuff. So thank you for those iTunes reviews. We really do appreciate it. Uh, it always uh, helps the show get noticed. I mean, there's lots of movie minutes, movies by minute shows out there. And, of course, ours is the only one doing Superman. But it, it's always helpful to get the, the more and more reviews you can get. So thanks, everybody, for those. So uh, yeah. next we are going to move on to the listener feedback, which we got over on the website, which is uh, fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we're going to go in the order of the episodes of how they were released now obviously we can't read everybody's comments because we've got 15 or like like 18 episodes to go through so what we're going to do is we're going to mention everybody that left a comment because we want to make sure everybody gets gets you know rewarded for leaving a comment but we're going to pick one comment from each episode to read out loud so um if you didn't get your comment read it's not an indication of anything it's just we just can't do like a three-hour episode of listener feedback so we're going to start with uh, the promo which we released the superman movie minute promo and the comment we got is from hicks where he says did cindy and tracy leave you both <laughs> uh the answer to that is uh, not yet that's that's what i will say yeah that's right <laughs> we're finding a way to you work know, this so, in do you know something we don't you yeah, know paul I know. is paul yeah isn't he technically in the future? So he might right. know something we don't. I don't know. He's, he's reading Facebook in the future from Australia. We don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. Now we, so far, Chris and I have been able to, to work in our podcasting life not too badly interfering with our, our better halves existence. So uh, so hopefully, Paul, it's, 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 nothing bad is coming uh, yeah, in that regard. <laughs> uh, we also got comments from Chuck Coletta, Mike Zumo, Dan Budnick, Ange. We also got a comment from Siskoid who says, Next on the FW Network, Solaris Movie Minute, Episode 5. Yep, still watching Underwater Grass Gently Moving. <laughs> that would be, I, I would love to see someone do Solaris Movie Minute just for the uh, bizarre experiment uh, of it all. And then we also got comments from uh, Philemon. So thank you, everybody, for, that, uh, for the comments you left on the uh, promo. Yes, thank you very much. 
Uh, and then we've got comments on the Superman teaser trailer, uh, the little mini episode we did on the Superman teaser trailer through the clouds that was made before any footage of this of the movie was ever released to anyone. Uh, Siskoid wrote, uh, "Coming soon from Fire and Water, the Quantum Leap opening credits minute." <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it does. It does look like the quantum. That's a good point. Like the quantum leap uh, opening credits. Uh, that episode also got uh, comments from Chuck Coletta, David A. Gutierrez, uh, Chuck Coletta again, and David A. Gutierrez again. <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, regarding the Superman movie minute full episode, that was the the full trailer. We really managed to stretch this thing out, Chris. Uh, we, get, we did a good job uh, wetting people's appetite. And Siskoid even says my appetite is, is wet. Uh, we get, get comments from Siskoid, Chuck Coletta, Michael Bailey, and then we also got one from Gord Tolton who says, I've often wondered what Star Wars' influence was on Superman the movie, which I assume to be negligible, as the movie was well into filming as Star Wars was hitting theaters in the summer of 77. I lived a half hour from Smallville. However, I, do, I believe that Star Wars did influence the packaging and marketing, John Williams, duh, bit, and I think the trailer cutting was definitely focusing on the space scenery and the black impressed titles. Since Hackman's character had no iconic look and no dark helmet, there was no reason to show. The greatest criminal mind of our time couldn't compete with the gloss of Darth Vader, so they didn't try. I love the show. Look forward to the future. Up, up, and away. Thank you, Gord. That's an awesome comment. Yes, I, you know, and that's a, that's a really good question because, you know, it's so odd to think that Superman, I mean, you know, I think most people probably think that Superman was probably heavily influenced by Star Wars, but yeah, I mean, we had some of the same people working on it, and they may have left one and went to the other, but the cultural impact of Star Wars had not happened when the movie was being made. So, yep. you know, for the most part. So, yeah, that's that's a that's a that's an interesting comment. Yeah, it would only make sense to see that if you're you know looking at a market, a big kind of family friendly space action adventure movie you know star wars is the way you're going to do it because the thing's just still making money as you're putting together all the material right so uh yeah yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense so uh, regarding uh the next episode which was the first full episode which is superman movie minute episode one which title was titled june 1938 we've got comments from siskoid shag mark brian linton brian rosen Ange, lucien desar nathan archer and a comment from David Escutieros who says, Guys, freaking fantastic. Love that you're doing these. I remember the salt kind clause was a divisive topic in my early film classes. The jerks applauded the salt kinds for, and I quote, discovering a creative way to get around paying more money for a second project. Those of us with souls thought it was one of the most underhanded moves in the world and should have resulted in their exile to the Phantom Zone. Good work <laughs> turning the credits into a good segment. Let's hear more about Miss Tessmacher. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, that kind of this goes hand in hand with your all's uh, the the episode about Disney buying Fox and that type. Oh right, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that and and now we've seen something else that the Salkines would do: put together a three minute, uh, three hour version of the movie without the director's input. <laughs> Okay, uh, Superman Movie Minute, episode number two. Uh, that was called Villains on Trial. We had comments from Michael Bailey, uh, Ange, Chuck Coletta, David, Derek Crabb, Jimmy Anderson, and we got a comment from Brian Litton, and Brian said, Great discussion, gentlemen. I would like to take a stab at no-prizing Brando's pronunciation of the word Krypton, or Krypton. I propose that the L family comes from a region of Krypton with a distinct dialect, which is looked down upon by upper-class Kryptonians. Oh, like Kentuckians. Okay. A self-conscious <laughs> young Jor-El learned to hide his accent with the exception of one word, Krypton. His failure to completely lose his accent led to him being mocked by his upper-class peers. His repressed feelings of childhood anger and humiliation now manifest themselves in his rebellion against Kryptonian society. <laughs> I accept that no prize. <laughs> that is such an extensive backfill that I feel like, Chris, both you and I are graphic designers, that we should probably put together a little piece of paper and send it send it over to Brian, because that, that really took a lot of imagination to come up with. I, I totally am willing to accept that. Yes, me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then we stopped uh, and did a Superman movie minute mini-sode, because there was so much news right after we started. There was the, the three-hour cut news, and there was the Fathom news, so we did another little mini-sode uh, right after that. We got comments from Brian Linton, 
Iced D and Michael Bailey, who says, if this happens, meaning the Fathom thing, not only will I thank you both profusely, I will go to every screening, because I've never seen this film on the big screen. I was too young when it first came out, and being the youngest of four, I had little say in what we, movies we did go see. My first big movie experience where I needed, all caps, to be there was Return of the Jedi. So this one passed me by. The closest I came was in 1998. There was a Warner Brothers Roadshow movie festival that came into Atlanta. That sounds cool. That summer, mm-hmm. and I only found out about them showing Superman the movie two days after it happened. Broke my heart. So I want the Fathom thing to happen. Well, I'm sorry, Mike. It's not happening. But again, I'm still holding out hope that maybe Cinemark will deliver us. So we'll see. Yes, please, Cinemark, deliver us from come this on, evil. Come on, Cinemark. I got to tweet them. I got to send them a tweet. Cinemark, come on. You got to do it. What are you going to do? Don't you keep them in business anyway, right? I, I mean, do. Each- I, yeah, all the popcorn and pretzel bites I buy, for peace sakes. It's the least they owe me to run a print of Superman the movie, for God's sakes. Uh, so uh, the next episode was Superman Movie Minute, episode three, merely shifting its orbit. We got comments from Chuck Coletta, Robert Markham, Iced D, Nathan Archer, and Ange. And Michael Bailey again, who says, Zod, Ursa, and Nan getting sent to the Phantom Zone is one of those sequences that kind of baffled me as a kid. I understood that they were being sent to a prison, but the whole process just confused the hell out of me. When I finally got to see Supergirl on home video, that confusion was compounded by the famous, how the hell does that work? Questioning of why Zod and crew floated around in space, and Supergirl went right into this ugly, scary world where Peter O'Toole dies helping Kara escape. Spoiler alert, I never gave it too much thought, but it was on my mind. So here's my adult no prize. Again with the no prizes. Argo City was the hippie commune of Krypton. Seriously, watch the movie and tell me I'm wrong. Everyone is wearing these weird, non-reflective outfits, and they're creating art and all this kind of thing. And there's even this dangerous free thinker played by O'Toole who, if given time, probably would have been the Charles Manson Jim Jones of the Pocket City. So Zoltar <laughs> gives Kara this weird thing that can animate sculptures and leads to her leaving Argo City. And Zoltar sends himself to the Phantom Zone. Except it's not the Phantom Zone as Jor-El knew it. The people of Argo had all this free time, so Zoltar and probably Zor-El worked with the Phantom Zone technology and used the album covers of Doom to actually send their criminals to this horrible dimension they discovered. This is the dimension that Selina discovers, and that's how it plays out in my head. Once again, you guys really are way more imaginative, I think Chris and I would have been able to come up with. <laughs> yeah, it almost sounds like... I know there was uh, there was like a, a survival zone that they had. That's I think that's where... Uh, the Argo City people went, so you know you could you could say there's another zone, you know, besides the Phantom Zone. But I like that. That's works for me. <laughs> I mean, we figure Mike has spent a lot of time sitting thinking about Superman, so like he probably has that at the ready. But right. it's no less impressive. Yes, exactly. Uh, Superman movie minute number four was handfuls of hair, and we got comments from. Ange, Jack Vaughn, Jason73, Sphinx Magoo, Brian Linton, Chuck Coletta, and Lewis, as well as Mike Zumo, and one from Tim Price, who says, Good episode, guys. My own thoughts about Krypton is why are there any colors at all? The culture seems to have gone completely monochromatic. So why are Kal-El's blankets red and blue? Why is there a green crystal? Of course, they just pop on the screen. Is that an indication of Jor-El's rebellious nature to have anything with color? Maybe. If there's something more, I'd love to know. Going back a little on Lara's dialogue, almost arguing with Jor-El about how hard their baby's life will be on Earth. That's saying very true to me. Lara knows in her head it's either this or letting her baby die. But as most moms would do, she can't stand the thought of him facing any problems, especially when she won't be there to help. That's the maternal instinct coming through. I've heard my own wife wrestle with that plenty of times, so this sounded very genuine to me. Things are heating up now. Maybe we'll reach Earth in the next episode. <laughs> the, just off the top of my head, I'm going to say that the colors thing is like a childhood thing. The, when, when, when on Krypton you grow up, you drop all the silly colors and you put on the, the, the boring white suits. So it's, it's kind of like a fanciful thing that they allow children. But once you kind of lose your childhood wonder, you you know become like the kind of ghostly looking thing that ever all the adults are. That, that, that's, what I, that's, that's what I have in my head. That works for me. It sounds good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> so many questions in this movie. Uh, Superman episode, movie minute episode five, Kal-El in space. Got comments from Chuck Coletta. Uh, I left a comment. Wow, that's brave of me. Uh, 
<laughs> and another comment from Ange who says, interesting idea about the spikes slash prongs on the rocket being shock absorbers. For me, I always thought, of course those things are going to melt. That's what you get for sending your kid into space in a chandelier. As for the Einstein reference, the only way I could know prize and badly was that the computer on the rocket was sort of AI, was scanning Earth for news about what would be going on there while the ship was en route, and would discuss it with Cal. But I think that's a stretch. I, you know what? It's no more of a stretch than the other no prizes we've been giving out, and so I think it's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, it works for me. Um, we also did get a comment from, for this episode, Sphinx Vigoo, and uh, Scott X, Ice-D, Chuck Aledigan, Dan Doherty, and Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson, and Michael Bailey. Okay. Uh, Superman Movie Minute number six was Iran. Uh, Ange, Michael Bailey, Chuck Coletta, and David A. Scudieres wrote in, and David says, Nice one, fellas. I, too, hate that the Academy didn't recognize this film for all the great performances. I, and I wonder if Chris's father and mine went to the same dad's school. I, too, was called Boy by both my pop and my grandpa. Maybe they just didn't bother learning my name. <laughs> he says, Looking forward to the next episode, a.k.a. David gets kicks in the balls emotionally for the first time in his movie-going life. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, also, that episode got comments from Gord Tolton, Lewis. Well, that's it. Gord Tolton and Lewis. There you go. <laughs> uh, for Superman Movie Minute Episode 7, You Are Here for a Reason. I comments once again from David S. Gutierrez, Chuck Coletta, Gord Tolton, Michael Bailey, uh, Gutierrez again, Michael Bailey again. A lot of people come back and forth. I, I sort of enjoy the conversations we have. Iced D and Ange, who says, I love this scene so much. The whole, you're, you aren't here to score touchdowns. You're here for a reason. It's so simple, but cuts to the bone. Contrasted to Man of Steel, where Pockin says, maybe Clark should have let the bus full of kids drown. Ugh. As a kid, I needed to have Pa feeling his pulse and then dying explained to me. It didn't make sense to me. But that far shot of him dying is just heartbreaking. Powerful. But also shows why all those Elseworld stories where Clark being raised by someone else would change things. From Quakers in the Nail to Soviets in Red Sun to scientists keeping him underground in Flashpoint, it's the Kents that define Superman, not Jor-El. Thank you, Ange. Yes, I, I definitely agree with that too, yeah. That's a nice comment. Uh, we also got feedback on episode number eight, Lonely Journey, from Brian Litton, David A. Scudieres, Chuck Coletta, Ice D, Sphinx Magoo, and Lucien Desar, Ward Hill Terry, who wrote, number one, I am not a fan of this movie. Why did I pick this one? Uh, number two, <laughs> I am a fan of Rob Kelly and Chris Franklin. Oh, that's there you go, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, number three, I'm enjoying this podcast tremendously. Yeah, that's definitely why. I'm a Superman fan from before this film, and I was disappointed in so many aspects of it. Yes, I'm one of those fans. I don't want to get into a Diablo Frank-like diatribe about this. Good idea. And I've already... And I've already caused Michael Bailey to sigh <laughs> derisively, so I'm not going to be a wet blanket. Permit me to state a couple of things pertaining to this part of the film. First, Kansas. Ever since this movie, Smallville is ex- is explicitly in Kansas. Geographically speaking, yes, it is the center of the continental country. Thus, it is thought of as the quote-unquote Midwest. Culturally and historically speaking and cinematically speaking, it is the West. The West of Cattle Drives and Dodge City, Cowboys and Indians. If Ryan Daly let me be in charge of just one thing, I'd I'd declare that Smallville is in Ohio. Ohio is the Midwest. It's got farmland, small towns, caves, forests, etc. So many backgrounds for young Clark stories. It's also the birthplace of Superman. So there. I just deleted a Frank-like rant. You're welcome. (laughs) Next, the fortress. I never cared for the monochromatic crystalline Krypton, and I didn't like the magic fortress from the tube of Prell. (laughs) And another thing. Who's Ben Hubbard? Where's Pete Ross? Where's Chief Parker and Dr. Lang? Grrr. I did greatly appreciate the mention of Tom DeHaven's It's Superman. I remember enjoying that book, and especially his description of Paul Kent. Paul! He's called Paul. Also recommended for the comic literary crowd to Haven's Derby Duggan trilogy. Great stuff with the history of American comic strips as the background. Fellas, I really am loving this podcast, and I especially love your enthusiasm. Now you've got me wanting to watch this movie again. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you. Uh, that's It's an interesting comment because like, there are a lot of, as we've said, there are a lot of movies by minute shows. And I tend to only listen to those ones that cover a movie I like. So I appreciate the fact that he was willing to listen to this, even though he's not a big fan of the movie. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a 
vote of confidence for us. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these other movies by miniatures might be really good. But if the movie itself doesn't interest me, it's like, why do I want to hear somebody talking about it? So, uh, And maybe I'm missing out. You know, I mean, there might be some really good shows that are still interesting. So I'm glad that we're able to put together something that he enjoys listening to, even if he sat there in 1978 and didn't like what he saw. It was like, it had to be so frustrating. <laughs> um, especially when that movie was so popular. I can imagine everybody's like, that was awesome. And then he's sitting there like, I didn't like it. You know, that's, that's like a lonely feeling sometimes. He's like Ryan Daly. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just me, Chris. <laughs> uh, regarding Superman Movie Minute Episode 9, This Fortress of Solitude. you got to put the break in there. we got comments from uh, uh, Spinks Magoo, Mark Baker Wright, Alan W. Wright, a couple of rights there. Chuck, <laughs> two rights, don't make it wrong. Chuck Coletta, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ange, Tim Price, Brian Linton, Charles Coletta again, and Sphinx Magoo, plus a comment from Brian C. Hughes who says, Hey guys, great episode. I really enjoyed Bob Fisher as being part of the show. His first viewing is going to top most anyone's. On Brando's pronunciation, we already see the Kryptonians have multiple accents. Who is to say that Jorel's accent isn't Kandorian or the Kryptonian version of the Bostonian accent? And in regards to the Jorel simulation, I always felt that the Kryptonian technology was so advanced that in those last moments, as Jorel says, even in the face of our death, the richest of our lives shall be yours. All that I have, all that I've learned, everything I feel, all this and more, I bequeath to you, my son. He was downloading his own essence, as well as Lars, into the crystal, maybe even creating a link to their spiritual essence, if you will. By the way, this show is the perfect idea for a podcast. You should be proud. I look forward to it every week. I may collect all of them on my iPod for my family's next road trip. You keep recording, and I'll keep listening. Brian Hughes, Third Degree Burn. Thank you, Brian. Again, another – these guys are – all of the people that listen to are really imaginative. We're coming up – filling in all the holes of this movie, either left yeah. on purpose or accidentally. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, it, I mean it's like wow. You know, it, it – uh, that you know the whole the deal with the downloading their actual essence and stuff. I mean, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll just buy right into that. I'll, I'll, I'll how much you charging? You know, yeah, works for me. <laughs> Superman movie minute number ten was don't call me sugar. We got comments from Ange. There's one from me. I'm very chatty. Chuck Coletta, Lewis, Ryan Daly, uh, who I just burned, uh, and then one from Brian Linton, who says now I'm picturing Clark. Coming home to the farm for the first time with 12 years' worth of dirty laundry for Martha to deal with. Whatever Jor-El knows about the human heart and the 28 known galaxies, I'm betting he doesn't know the first thing about washing clothes. <laughs> My little silver-haired mother, and he's like, here you go, there's like 40 crates of... <laughs> Full of laundry, all the suits and all the. He probably just has the one costume too. He has to keep that clean, I guess. I yeah. Know. And the first thing he says when he comes out, "Mom, we're out of Cheerios." Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Timex watches and JVC televisions. It's, he's got to get all the ads in there. Uh, Superman movie minute episode eleven, which was called Swell. We got comments from Ange, Chuck Coletta, you, Brian Linton, and Paul and KC, who says, "What's with the jokes about Superman two? All right, everybody, relax. I love Superman 2. Uh, I was making a joke with John Trumple because he was sort of talking about the other movies, and I really wanted to kind of make sure we didn't talk about Superman 3 or 4. And Superman 2 just kind of got lumped into the mix. I love Superman 2. It's Richard Donner, most of it. So no worries, Paul. That's a that's a great movie. I was not meaning to diss Superman 2. <laughs> uh, I, I watched the, the, the Superman versus Clark fight from Superman 3 tonight, so I can't say a whole lot. So I'll just keep my mouth shut. Uh, <laughs> I still love that part. I'm not I'm unabashedly so. Uh, Superman movie minute number twelve. Sick. You're really sick. Uh, that was uh, which was kind of disturbing. I did that actually pretty well. Uh, okay. You did. Uh, <laughs> got comments from me, you, David A. Gutierrez, Sphinx Magoo, us all over again. Tim Price, Ange, Gene Hendricks, Chuck Coletta, and a various assortment of other folks. And Chuck uh, wrote in and said, great episode, you diseased maniacs. This sequence introducing the villains has always been one of my favorite moments in the film. I always thought that Hackman's Luther, I said Luther, gosh, Luthor, mm-hmm. was a nice bridge between the campy 1960s Batman TV baddies and the darker superhero movies that came later. He's comedic and still menacing. I also like that Otis and Miss Tessmacher have managed to worm their way into other parts of the Superman franchise. Miss Tessmacher pops up as a secretary on Supergirl from time to time, and Otis has even appeared in the comics. 
He was seen in Tiny Titans and the Smallville Season 11 comic series, where he was finally given the surname Berg. Otis Berg? How appropriate. I totally agree with your comments on Valerie Perrine. What a woman. And to think she was third choice for the role after Anne Margaret and Goldie Hawn turned it down. FYI, Perrine graced the August 1981 cover of Playboy doing a Superman homage. And uh, both Rob and I admitted to doing a Google search for that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> as, as I said at the time, that was a fun Google search. Yes, that was very um, educational. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Warner Brothers just loved that. <laughs> so they were just thrilled. Uh, one one correction I do want to make, and this is just because I only know this from the audio commentary. I think when it came to Goldie Hawn, it was not that Goldie Hawn turned the part down. It's that the Salkinds didn't want to pay her salary. Mm. That's what it was. Now, I think, or maybe it was Anne Margaret, but one of the two, because Donna refers to that about offering the part to one of the two, and he says they wouldn't pay her. And I didn't, when he says her, I didn't know who he was referring to, whether it's Anne Margaret or or Goldie Hawn. But uh, so one of the two would have done it, but they just didn't want to spend the money. And so they got Valerie Prine, who was obviously a little cheaper. So, yeah. Could have been either one of them, would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd try, I'd, Goldie Hawn, I think, would have been thrown the movie off its axis because she was such a huge star. I, it would have been weird to have her in such a tiny part. Uh, and Margaret, I could see, doing it, absolutely. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I've, I've, I've always kind of had a thing for Anne Margaret, so yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, yeah, it would have been, we didn't, didn't you cast her as, like, Poison Ivy in your Batman 66 yeah. episode? One of the ones you did for Supermates? Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm not the only person who did that, but yeah, definitely. She yeah. was born to be uh, Poison Ivy in the uh, episodes that were never made with Poison Ivy back in 1966, for yeah, sure. Yeah, been amazing. So, uh, cool. So, thanks, everybody. Uh, regarding episode 13, uh, Superman Movie Minute episode 13, which was Get Out, we got comments from Ward Hill Terry, David S. Gutierrez, Chuck Coletta, and Gene Hendricks, who says, uh, Lex Luthor, Miss Tessmacher, when I was six, my father said to me, Miss Tessmacher, get out. Like Luther, smiling, haha, before that. I've always taken this exchange to be Luther saying, okay, I can go along with a gag. But it seems you guys have taken it that Luther was actually kicked out by his father when he was six. Chuck Coletta seems to agree with you based on a comment on the previous episode. Am I that far off the mark here? Do we have any evidence one way or the other for what happened? Uh, and I get into that, and no, we don't have any evidence, but I just took it the way that Gene Hackman just reads that line. I always took it that he was serious, that he was almost saying, yeah, Mr. Smocker, you, you called it. My father did throw me out, but it was before that. Like, he just rolls with it. So I always took it very seriously. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he was six, necessarily. But Maybe, right, I think yeah. he kicked him out at a young age. Yeah, and I mean it. And, and like I pointed out that, you know, uh, there's that famous uh, panel from uh, Lex Luthor's, uh, you know, origin flashbacks in the Bronze Age and Silver Age that, that show that, uh, you know, uh, his family did kick him out. You know, it showed his his mom and dad and his siblings like all standing as Lex walks away in his prison grays. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so so yeah, that's that's comic accurate that his family kicked him out. So there you go. <laughs> uh, Superman movie minute number fourteen was you've got me. Who's got you? Uh, we had uh, David A. Gutierrez left a comment. Ange, Chuck Coletta. And uh, one from Tim Price, who said, biggest five minutes of the movie. Awesome. Great to hear Michael on the show. It was a treat to meet him at a small con this year. Such a nice guy. Definitely. Michael Yuri is a super nice guy, and it was great to have him on the show. And we look forward to having him back on the show again. Ooh, spoiler warning. Sorry. <laughs> uh, maybe this has been mentioned before. I just got a copy of Superman in the 70s with a foreword by Christopher Reeve where he wrote, it was my pleasure to play Superman, or perhaps more accurately, to be the custodian of the character in the 1970s. That sums up his respect for the role and performance he gave in the movie. So much class. Uh, yeah, Christopher Reeve on multiple occasions kind of downplayed his importance to Superman as just kind of being, you know, the, the guy that played the character for his time. And I think time has shown that, not to the detriment of other people that played Superman because they are good in their own way, but he's kind of risen above almost all of them in the general, you know, consensus of who is Superman. So, you know, but that's very Superman-like of him to be humble about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah. And I do have that book. That's a great book, Superman in the 70s. Yeah, when I saw him say that on a special feature, I was just like, oh, God, he's just so effortlessly charming. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, just such a great guy. So, um, And then, okay, episode uh, number 15, Superman Movie Mid-15, Busy Night. You got comments from Lewis, Chuck Coletta, and we have two comments that kind of uh, go together. So we're going to read the both. We've got one from Ange where he says, I love the boat sequence. Hardcore street action with Superman, which I'm pretty sure was the, the copy on one of the Mego dolls. Hardcore street action with Superman. I think they wrote that literally on the package. Uh, <laughs> and then we got a comment from Tim Price following that about the boat sequence where he says, well, see, off camera, Superman left a note saying, sorry for leaving this boat in the street, but it has evidence you'll need right away to make a case against these criminals, and I have to go rescue a cat and a tree. I'll be back as soon as I can to move it wherever you need. Sincerely, a friend. And he draws the shield around the S in sincerely because 70 Superman works the branding where he can. Not Batman-level branding, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I love that. I think that's great. I love that he's like concerned with his Superman branding. I think that's great. Great guy. Both those comments just made me really laugh. Uh, when he said it's when Superman says evidence, I just got flashed in my head. Jackie Gleason saying evidence, valuable evidence. That's <laughs> just. From Smokey and the Bandit, sorry. I know, it's never uh, far from your mind, Chris. We know. It's not, it's not. <laughs> uh, we also got a very nice email from Michael Bradley. Uh, he writes, Rob and Chris, I've been listening to Superman Movie Minutes since the start and wanted to drop a line to let you know how much I have been enjoying it. Like Chris, Superman the Movie is my favorite movie. It has been since I was a kid, and I don't see it being usurped from the from that position. Like many other fans, my favorite scene is the one discussed in episode 14, the famous helicopter rescue scene. Moreover, it is one of my favorite Superman moments of all time. I am not alone in that, of course. Everyone loves the action. The, say, Jim, guy, and the, you've got me, who's got you, line. And a friend, all at once, the, the scene is charmingly quaint and grandly epic. But let me go one step farther and say this is not just a classic Superman moment, but one that helps define the character. I love that Superman comes in and is full and is in full command of the situation just by being. Lois naturally is freaking out and he calms her just by being nonchalant. Easy, miss, I've got you, he says so simple. As if he just steadied her from stumbling off a curb. <laughs> <laughs> After the save, he sets the helicopter back on the roof and with a gentleman, this man needs help. The, guy, the guy's rushed into action, no question. Superman's mere presence lets people know he's in full control. Not as something to be feared, but as a leader, and yes, a friend. He reassures Lois, who just suffered what was undoubtedly the most frightening moment of her life, not by making a big deal of what could have been a tragic situation or reminding her she nearly died, but by cracking a joke and walking away with a broad smile. Masterful. Just by being around him, people feel more comfortable, safer, more secure. That is Superman. I am a grown man and have been for more years than I would like to think about. And that scene turns me into a gooey, cheering child every single time. I have probably gone on long enough, so I will close out by just saying thanks, guys, for doing the show. It's a joy to listen to and one I look forward to each episode. Well, thanks, Michael. That's, uh, that's, uh, that was a great comment, and uh, I, I agree completely. That scene always just gets me in the fields and yeah that that's that is that's how i want to see superman and uh i i think you i I can't say it any better than you did but uh that's a great way to put it yeah i really i thought that was really great email and i'm very touched by that because it's like i think you know we know that like superman is not my favorite character i like him just fine but he's not my favorite character i don't think you would say the same thing and it, you know, and so it's like when we get emails or comments from somebody who like really loves Superman, I always it makes me feel good that we're doing like a service to the movie. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we're not necessarily the people you would think to do about Superman because we're not Superman number one fans. And like like Bailey and some of the other Bob Fisher and Michael Bradley, they've done whole shows devoted just to Superman. So mm-hmm. when we get nice comments from people like that, it always it means a lot because it's like these these are like the uber fans. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, we do want to thank uh, the aforementioned Michael Bailey, as well as John Trumbull and Bob Fisher and Michael Yuri, who did the show. And they'll all be coming back for the back half of the movie and probably at least one other guest, as much we can uh, fit everybody in trying to schedule all these shows. If you're a podcast, you know how difficult that can be sometimes. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before we get to the, the, the contest, which we're going to be doing, is um, I write the, uh, the episode titles. I'm the one that comes up with the June 1938 or Merely Shifting Its Orbit. Because I'm the one that writes the post. Those are so fun to do. I love this, that. this movie has so much fun dialogue that it's great picking the five minutes and saying, what line 
best sums up this chunk and so when it's something easy like who's got me who's got you or swell it's so easy but they're just like i those are like pure pleasure just to write those things because this movie is just so quotable and this is one of the again one of the tribute to john mankiewicz it's just for a superman movie with a lot of later movies are not particularly quotable but this one man it's just such a pleasure to listen to this dialogue over again so i love being able to pull something out and make it representational of the five minutes that's just one of the more enjoyable processes of of making the show yeah i I love i love your little titles that you come up with it makes me think of like the bubblegum cards like the top right yeah that's that's what it reminds (laughs) me of (laughs) exactly you came up with one of them accidentally when you mentioned the one about uh uh putting the baby into the, the the ship and you were you mentioned how the baby was grabbing Laura's hair, and you said anyone who's had a child knows that they've lost handfuls of hair to mm. children. But you said Cindy's lost handfuls of hair, and I was like, oh, that's the name of the episode, handfuls of hair. <laughs> so oh, okay. <laughs> so you, you I, quote, I remember that now. I had, I did I had forgotten that till you just explained it. So, so okay, cool. <laughs> as I was thinking about, it, I'm like, well, oh, that's a good one, handfuls of hair. So yeah, that, that's it. So I'm looking forward to doing the the remaining fifteen uh, episodes of the of the movie. So uh, finally, we mentioned we're going to do a contest. And for those of you that are interested in the three-hour Blu-ray cut of Superman the movie, we have a copy that we're going to give away. We have an extra copy uh, of the movie. And so uh, the way you can possibly win this is very simple, is use the contact form submission page on the website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. And all you have to do is leave your name and explain why you love Superman the movie. That's all you have to do. It can be long, it can be short, however However long, just send us that. Use the form. That way we know it's coming in specifically for this contest. And Chris and I are going to pick one of the entries at random. And we will do it at the end of the show's run, after episode 29 or episode 30. And we will pick one of the winners at random. And you will win the Superman three-hour cut. It's awesome. It's super fun. You'll win it free. So that's our contest. So you have this, you have until now, until episode 29 of the show, to get your entries in. And just a little uh, quick aside... The uh, Richard Donner director cut is also on that Blu-ray. That's so right. You get, That's right. You get both versions. You get both extended versions of Superman the movie on that Blu-ray. You have five and a half hours worth of Superman, plus it has all the special features. The audio mm-hmm. commentary. I mean, it's amazing how much stuff they can cram on a Blu-ray now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you'll get you get everything. It's a really great package. Really great package. So so get your entries in. Just let us know, and we will of course read them all on the air about why you particularly love Superman the movie. Yes, and I look forward to to hearing why everyone loves Superman the movie. I mean, we've kind of got uh, that throughout the 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 show's run. We've just read a lot of it, but to have it succinctly stated, uh, you know why you love it because you know i'd have a hard time i'd have to write like a thesis on mm-hmm. <laughs> superman the movie but I'm, I'm looking forward to reading them got like a whole powerpoint presentation with like a pointer and a whole bit yeah it'd be great yep. yeah i look forward to, to to reading those as well so uh so i guess that is going to do it for our feedback episode of course you can find uh, all the back episodes of this show over on our website which is finewaterpodcast.com and there are we also have all of chris's shows uh, chris like what are the shows you do for the network uh, Supermates with my wife Cindy. I do Batman Nightcast with Ryan Daly. I do Power Records from time to time with you. We just recently did one for Christmas. Uh, and uh, is there anything else I do? Oh yeah, Wonderful Toys. Uh, on yeah, don't FW, forget that. FW presents and uh, yeah, and uh, you know I'm I'm around the network otherwise. And uh, now Rob will take five minutes to list all the shows he does. <laughs> That's right. I'll go fast. Fire and Water Podcast, Film and Water Podcast, Treasury Cast, Digest Cast, uh, Pod Dylan, and coming soon, Mash Cast, which I'm very, very excited about. Uh, so, yeah, and that all can be found over on fireandwaterpodcast.com. And you can come uh, talk about Superman the movie on our Twitter feed, which is uh, Superman Move Men. Uh, we're, we're there, and we have lots of conversations about the other movies by minute shows, and there's lots of other really great ones. And uh, we have, I, I love running that Twitter feed because that's uh, maybe some, some cool discussions about Superman the movie and other things over there as well. So, awesome. So, thanks everybody for this. Fe- thanks for the feedback. Everybody, thanks so much for the feedback yes. you're leaving. It's really fun when we post a new episode and then seeing all the comments come in and big thanks to Ange and everyone else who sort of suggested that we do a feedback show because this is a great 
little stopping point. We'll stop here. Thank everybody for the comments, and then we're going to move on to the second half of the movie, and because we'll do a second feedback show uh, when the when the movie wraps up. So awesome. Uh, so Chris, are you ready to head into minutes? Uh, well, not minute episode sixteen, the second half of Superman the movie. I am ready to fly into that segment because it's all Superman all the time, pretty much. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be fun stuff. So thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. This country is safe again, Superman, thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, Warden. We're all part of the same team. Night.